leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me I have a very special guest. He is a fellow sports business classroom alum in Las Vegas from this past July. His name is James Trigger. James, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, man. So uh, for this episode, we uh, we talked a few days ago, and uh, we decided. Obviously, the opening night was uh, was on Tuesday, and uh, the the Celtics and the Sixers played, as well as the Warriors and the Thunders. So so I thought it'd be fun that uh, we would watch those games, jot down some notes and some thoughts, and that way uh, we could talk about it and give kind of uh, the listeners a chance to see uh, what we're experiencing, what we're noticing as uh, as we watch an NBA game. So uh, James, going into the the Sixers Celtics games, of course that was that was the first game of the season. Uh, what was uh, what was some of your initial impressions from the opening couple of minutes? Yeah, obviously it was sloppy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you kind of expect it to be, you know, given that it's the first game of the season. But it, it was really really sloppy. Um, both teams trying to get the jitters out. A uh, couple things I was specifically kind of looking for were um, obviously the Sixers had announced that they're going to start Fultz. Um, it makes sense given like kind of their long term projection. You might as well just get him in there and just like get him used to playing with Embiid and Simmons. Um, but just trying to see how the offense would function with him on the floor, and then obviously Hayward. Um, you think he would be a pretty good fit with Boston's offense, but just seeing like is he the same athlete? How does his jumper look? Can he move on defense? So. Those are a couple of things I was kind of like focusing in on, but yeah, the game first first part of it for sure was super ugly. Well, yeah, and you you often get that with uh, especially teams that played each other in the postseason the previous year. You know, they know each other so well because you play you play the same team four or five times in a row in a playoff series. You really get to understand their tendencies and and their sets. So uh, yeah, the kind of the sloppy defensive style of game is is generally what you get out of those uh, encounters. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned Fultz, and that was uh, something that obviously I, I was very intrigued about as well, and the, the idea that he is starting over Redick, which really, uh, you know, I think hurts the Sixers as a team and is one of the reasons why I, I have Milwaukee actually finishing above Philadelphia in the standings this year, in large part because I think... Uh, you know, the, the Sixers are going to have a lot of growing pains with this, and especially on the offensive end of the floor. You saw it uh, in that first quarter. They just really couldn't get anything going. They didn't have enough spacing out there on the floor. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think defensively, you kind of figured that they would be fine. Um, I did not expect Fultz to be the kind of like defensive player that he's shown, whether it be preseason, even last season. Um, but he, he's going to be a good defensive player. Like he has his problems on offense, but he's going to help their defense. 
Um, I thought their defense looked good. Embiid was switching a lot, which like typically kind of just drops in the pick and roll, and, and you don't really want him like running around everywhere. You kind of just want him hanging around the hoop. But right. He switched a lot. Uh, there was actually a stat that was posted last night. He ran about the same uh, distance on defense that like Paul George typically runs on defense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty ridiculous to just think about, but no, I thought their defense looked good offensively. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a problem. Like Simmons and Embiid, uh, like trying to pair them together on offense is, is already kind of like tough. So like you want to obviously like they played with Reddick, Covington, and Sarge last year, and those three guys sort of operate as like spot up shooters, trying to space the floor. You don't need like a ton of usage outside of Simmons and Embiid. Um, but trying to play Fultz there, like no one's going to guard him. No one respects his jumper. You want the ball in his hands so that, like, he can create, because if he can't shoot, he can't really, like, add any value to your offense. But when he has the ball in his hands, no one's going to guard Simmons. You don't really want Embiid, like, spacing the floor. You want him around the basket. So it was weird. Like, they tried posting up Embiid quite a bit to, to get some kind of offense. And um, and if Simmons and, and Fultz couldn't, like, cut at all, if there was no off-ball action... They were just going to sag off those two guys, and that's when you saw them, you know, start to double Embiid. That's when you saw like that rosier block on Embiid. Right. He could just completely sag off of Fultz, and um, and Embiid's pretty turnover prone as it is. Like you wish that he was a better passer out of the post than than he's than he's been. Um, So their offense can be a work in progress in the half court for sure. That's why you saw. I, I think they'll be okay though in terms of they're so good on defense. And if they're going to have Embiid switching more, they're going to be more active on defense. And if they can get stops, um, they're going to be able to run a lot. And they're not going to be playing Boston every night. So I think transition offense is going to be, they'll probably be like a top five transition offense. And that's going to help to um, to alleviate some of their offensive issues. But when, the, when you get to play the Houstons, the Golden States, the Bostons, like the better teams, I think their offense in the half court is going to be a, a, a pretty major issue. Right. The the one advantage of Fultz over Reddick is that, uh, you know, he is better defensively. He's more stout. He's longer. He's more athletic. So, yeah, you, you'd think that uh, he's going to even help their, their defense out even more. But, but yeah, the, the spacing is a, is a big-time issue. And, you know, they, they had some lineups out there in the first half that uh, had Fultz, Simmons, and McConnell with a traditional center like Embiid or Amir Johnson. It's like, you know, you've got three perimeter players that have no ability to uh, to really shoot the basketball. I guess McConnell is uh, more of a you know is capable, but he's he's a pretty hesitant shooter as well. So you know they they are going to lack uh, on the offensive end of the floor. And as you mentioned too, a lot of times they'll have to result to like a, an Embiid post up. And against guys like Horford and Baines, who are pretty stout down there, it it seemed to me it was a little disappointing that. Uh, Embiid seemed to not really have any go-to moves and was kind of just trying to bully him inside. And I think Horford ended up with five blocks. He looked awesome last night. That was one. That was one sort of like concern if you're trying to pick out where can Boston maybe regress like this season um, was Horford potentially taking a step back athletically. But he looked so good, so active, and like. He is such a good post defender, especially against Embiid. He's just so stout, and he never fouls, or at least never gets called. And, and he's really, really good. Um, one point that you had mentioned on the Sixers' offense, it it's too bad because Sarge got in foul trouble. Like, at least he's another guy. If they're going to start him, he's another guy who can at least like attack a closeout or, or attack off the dribble and at least like get to the rim. Because he uh, was in foul trouble and he, he couldn't play a ton, um, you know, if you're going to play Embiid and Simmons, that's fine. Like those two guys can create enough for you. But if you're going to play Covington and Redick and just like spot up guys outside of that, it's tough to get a ton of like shot creation. So they're going to play guys like McConnell because at least those guys can run like secondary pick and rolls if you need them to. But at the same time, like, McConnell's not a good shooter. Um, and it just kind of, like, mucked up their offense. Like, they played Landry Shamit, trying to get him to space the floor. He's not going to contribute to winning basketball this year. Um, they have a lot of, like, they have a lot of holes they got to figure out on offense. Um, 
if they plan on getting into the second round, the third round in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, Saric uh, getting into foul trouble, that was, uh, you know, an underrated reason why they weren't able to, to pull that one out last night. And, you know, uh, he's a guy that not only, as you said, can attack off the dribble, but he's got a really good all-around offensive game. He, I think he shot in the uh, upper 30s from three last year. And he also does a really good job. He had a couple of moments early on in the game where uh, he just made a simple cut and then was able to seal Jalen Brown inside for a couple post-ups and drew a few fouls. Yeah, it's it's sort of a shame because like when he was coming over from Europe, um, you knew how good of a passer he was, and he could initiate a lot. Uh, but when he's always on the floor, like with Simmons and Embiid, you just don't need him to play make. Uh, I guess like sort of the way that he's capable of. So he's sort of resorted to like being a spot up shooter or attacking like closeouts if you need him to. So I don't think we've seen like his full offensive game unleashed. Um, I wish they like I wish they played him with their second units more just to get a little bit more creation. But maybe we'll see that going forward. Yeah, that might be. Um, you know, they they took Redick out of the lo- the starting lineup to to put in Fultz. Maybe it would actually work better if they if they just replaced. Sarich with Fultz, and that way they still have the spacing of Redick, and and really in the half court, J.J. Redick was was, uh, Philadelphia's only solid source of offense, you know, running off screens, doing those dribble handoffs. They uh, they ran an action where uh, they would uh, do like a double screen with Fultz and Embiid screening for Redick to get him, you know, an 18-footer on the left side of the floor. But uh, yeah, they're going to have to figure something out, and, and you know, they're already... They're already like kind of second guessing the whole starting Fultz because they uh, uh, apparently the plan is to start JJ Redick at the uh, in the second half in all these games, and I can't imagine that gives Fultz a lot of confidence. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, the kid's been through a lot. And, like mentally, he's just not in a good place. So when they say that they're going to start him, and when the organization say that like we back you long term, and then they see that all right, well, he can't really contribute to like winning basketball for us offensively then they gotta stick JJ out there it just kind of like screws him up even more but um I was really like disappointed actually that they started Fultz and that they were gonna put JJ on the second unit but he causes so many problems when he's moving off the ball like there were a couple times you talked about that double screen they ran uh with Fultz and Embiid like Jalen Brown just could not track him defensively last night there were like two or three times where Redick just got loose and just got a wide-open jumper. And he's so good um, sprinting off screens and, like, catching the ball going to his right. He's similar to Kyle Korver in that way. That's sort of, like, unorthodox. Um, he's he's really, really good. And I, I'm kind of interested to see what they do. Um, if he's sort of, like, the primary guy that they run offense through, if, they, if they're going to continue to play him on second units and having – you know, Embiid post up or Simmons post up and like JJ's the guy that is running off of screens because it seemed to work pretty well for them last night. Yeah, the Sixers were definitely uh you know, they were definitely better with with JJ Redick out there on the floor. A a Fultz stat that I thought was interesting, you know, in the first quarter, the Sixers uh with him on the floor for the first nine minutes were actually minus seven in the game. They're down twenty one to fourteen. Uh, but then uh, when he came out for the last three minutes of the quarter, they went on a 7-0 run to tie it at the end of the first at 21. Uh, and that was in large part due to Ben Simmons really getting out in transition. And even though the Celtics, one of the best transition defenses in the league, Simmons just is so good at uh, at attacking the basket uh, in transition that uh, he's still difficult to stop, even if you're really prepared for it. God, his, dude, his handle looks better, like... He's at a point right now where, you know, like this year and the next couple of years, he's going to be like peak athleticism. And with his game and his IQ just like starting to come around, having more experience, like he looked scary last night. He looked like he looked like the guy. And obviously, he had to play more minutes because Sarge got in foul trouble. But with his activity on defense, he looks like he can make an all defense team this year, which is ridiculous, just given like what kind of player he projected to be coming out of college I never thought he could be an all-defense team caliber guy Um, but his activity on that end last night was ridiculous offensively like 
his jump shot, we know the issues about that. Um, and when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he makes it really tough to sort of like run a free-flowing offense. But when he gets the ball in transition, he's such an asset attacking the rim. And like nobody can stay with him in transition. He's a freak. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. I was, I was like shocked at how good he looked last night. Yeah, he had what, like I think 14 or 15 rebounds as well. He was he was posting up more, which is a is a good thing. I think with his size, you know, a lot of people are calling for him to add the jump shot. But I think if he improves the floater game and the post game, he's going to be really really difficult to stop. You know, except for uh, those those couple of maybe best defenses in the league. Uh, but uh, but yes, he certainly was was very impressive and. Uh, you know, yeah, you mentioned his defense as well. He was, yeah, he was all over the place. Deflections, steals, blocking shots. Uh, just just an incredible defender and a guy that can, can guard just about every position. Yeah, he finished with uh, four steals and two blocks last night. Um, it, it, it helps. He becomes more valuable if they want to switch everything, you know, because he can guard one through five. But it's like, do you want to switch everything when you have him beat on the floor? It's... It's good that they can run different things as a team defense, but trying to figure out like what makes them uh, the best defense that they can be is going to be interesting. Um, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. I, I feel like I'm in the minority with this opinion, but everyone talks about like Ben Simmons as a point guard, Ben Simmons as a point guard, and putting Fultz out there with him. Like, why would you play two point guards at once? Like, I sort of just see Ben Simmons as a four on defense, like and you're going to have the ball in his hands on offense, sort of the way that, like, LeBron and Kyrie Irving operated. Yeah. LeBron ran and initiated a lot of their offense, but he's just going to guard threes and fours on defense. So uh, when people say that, like, Ben's going to be a point guard and you have to play a two, three, and a four with him, I sort of just see him, like, as a three or a four. In long term, I think their best offense and defense is going to involve having, like, a one and a two who can play with him versus him being the one and having, you know, a two, three and a four or like three other wings playing with him. What do you think? I, I completely agree. I, uh, you know, I, I generally would equate position with who you can defend. And, uh, you know, he, uh, I would say the, the most value you can get out of him on the defensive end would be him guarding threes and fours. Uh, those, you know, elite wings. I think he's, uh, he's got the size and the, uh, the lateral quickness. Uh, and the uh, um, you know the the instincts to to do a really good job on those types of players and and yeah I like your your comment about the LeBron and Kyrie and that comparison uh, because yeah I think that's what they hoped they would be getting and Markel Fultz was a guy that could play uh, in that Kyrie role where he could play off the ball knock down open shots but then also be a secondary playmaker and a secondary creator uh, and unfortunately with the the uh, the shot not uh, really working for him. He uh, he's failing to to uh, fulfill that role, and and that's why you know again I think another reason why you would say yeah it's it's good for Simmons to have to play with perimeter players is because you you want that spacing around him, same as you want spacing with LeBron James when he attacks the basket. Yeah, I, going into the draft, um, I thought that like the Fultz pick was perfect, and I thought like I did too. Up- Giving up that additional pick that turned in, or you know, the Celtics traded down. Um, giving up that additional Kings pick was fine. I was under the impression like give up whatever you need to. It's it couldn't be a more perfect fit. He's I thought he was like the best guard prospect that's come out since Kyrie or John Wall. Yeah, I just thought he was perfect, and I thought the jump shot would be fine. Um, I know he had his free throw issues in college, so like tweaking the jumper over time would would be something that maybe would have to take place, but. And nobody saw the what happened. Nobody really saw that coming. And Tatum looks like <laughs> looks like he he could be a Hall of Famer. He looks so good. Right. Um, we'll see though. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how long they they decide to commit to him. I, I think this year they'll be fine. They're good enough this year where um, if he can't really contribute to their best offenses, they can kind of just put him on the bench and play JJ. But like next year and going forward that cap space is going to run out this is their last summer to use it how do they allocate 
those resources? Did they do it to go get a point guard? Like, if they could go get Kemba Walker, do they do that? Um, if, if maybe they could find a way to, like, get Damian Lillard, do they do that? Like, and give up on Fultz? Or it's going to be interesting to see how long they, they sort of believe in him being that third guy uh, next to Simmons and Embiid. Right, and, you know, his, the people talking about, well, his his jumper doesn't have to be that great if he can just get to an average jumper he'll be really good and I kind of disagree with that you know he's he's a really good athlete but he's not like a Russell Westbrook type of athlete where he can just get to the rim at will and get open 15 footers at will Uh, you know he's more of the Kyrie Irving type where he's crafty he's a good athlete but uh, you know you look at a Kyrie and a lot of the ways that he attacks the basket and gets the basket is off the threat of the jump shot and I feel like Markel Fultz to fulfill that potential and be a worthy number one pick and be a guy that fits well with Simmons is he's got to have an above-average jump shot that teams really fear. Uh, and it's very debatable, uh, and, and it'll, it's very debatable whether Philadelphia will have any idea if he can get to that even by the end of this season. Yeah, it's interesting kind of like looking at Philly long-term and sort of like projecting out what kind of players they need in order to win as much as possible. But every time I think about Simmons in the future, I always kind of like go back to what kind of offenses has LeBron played with and, and what has allowed him to thrive. And Cleveland just had so much shooting. Um, and with LeBron being as good of an ISO player and as good of a passer as he is, Simmons isn't the same ISO player because he can't shoot off the dribble or anything like that. But with him attacking, you need you need at least three because Embiid's going to be hanging around the basket. You need three guys who can absolutely shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, and teams have to guard them. And they have that with JJ and Covington. Like teams are going to guard those guys. But if teams can like look at the game plan and say, all right, we have to figure out a way to guard and stop Simmons from getting to the basket. We can afford to sag off. Markel Fultz, like the math just works out for us, and that's what we're going to do. That's just going to kill them. He needs to like he needs to become a good enough shooter that teams just can't leave him. He doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be Clay Thompson, but he has to be like a good enough shooter that teams can't look at him and say, "Okay, we're going to sag off of him." They have to figure out something else. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to watch Philly all season and see uh, his progression, and also you know. How much uh, Brett Brown is willing to sacrifice in terms of uh, of winning and losing to to help him get the experience uh, under his belt. Uh, but let's move on more to uh, to some of the Celtics questions. And you mentioned one of the things you were looking for was uh, was obviously Gordon Hayward, who you know suffered that horrific injury uh, in the first game of the the 2017-18 season. What did you see out of him in Game One? Yeah, I, I mean, everyone had the jitters, and everyone was sort of, like, tripping over their feet or, or not, like, playing fluidly. Um, it was the first game of the year, but he looked like he was passing up open jumpers. The first couple of jumpers he could have taken, he passed them up, and he tried to drive, and um, he looked like he, he kind of tripped over his feet at one point and um, didn't, like, drive in the same manner that he did before. He's, just, he's still sort of getting back into it. Um, I think worst case scenario for him and for Boston rather would be that he's sort of a guy who's just going to space the floor and outside of Kyrie and Jalen and Jason Tatum, he'll be like their sort of their fourth option until he gets back up to speed and he can still shoot it uh, off the catch. You know, his, his pull up jumpers last night looked interesting. (laughs) They didn't really look consistent, but he had a couple of corner threes like, if you're running a transition, he's a guy that can definitely space the floor and provide value for you that way. And defensively, he looked fine. So it'll be interesting to see, A, like how his offensive game progresses as he gets more comfortable getting back. And then, I guess, it, it, from a team perspective, what is the shot distribution going to look like? Because if he feels he's back to you know Utah all-star Gordon Hayward, um, is he going to accept getting less shots than Jason Tatum? You know, if I, I think if I had to predict, I, obviously Kyrie's, I would assume, would get the um, the most shots out of that starting five. Um, 
and I would guess that Jason Tatum is going to get the second most, and Hayward, Brown, and Horford kind of descending from there. But between Tatum and Hayward, it's going to be interesting to see like who takes on a larger offensive role, um, and that's all going to depend on what he looks like as he goes forward. Yeah, I agree. His shot didn't. Uh... It didn't. It didn't look perfect, and obviously, his uh, when he was attacking the basket, he drew a couple of fouls, but uh, he definitely didn't look graceful getting to the rim. But one of the things I think is a positive in this situation is, as you mentioned, that they've got guys like Irving and Tatum to to handle more of the scoring load until Hayward uh, gets gets back into form. Uh, but but even even when Hayward was at his peak in Utah, his usage rate was more in the mid twenties. He wasn't a guy that just like okay, I need to touch the ball every possession. Uh, you know, he was a guy that operated within that Quinn Snyder offense and and played off the ball quite a bit. So I I think this uh, this period of time where he's not fully back uh, and uh, he can just kind of uh, be an off ball player, I think it, it suits him reasonably well. Yeah, with Boston. Um... Yeah, I saw that you had posted on Facebook that you were really high on them. How many wins did you predict that, that they were going to have? Uh, I'm thinking around 62. Yeah, I, I sent over sort of like that note to you earlier today. Um, I think they're going to be unbelievable, like high 60s, I thought, going into the season, assuming Hayward could get back. I mean, it was it was a bone injury. It wasn't like a lingering sort of tendon injury, and I know he had that setback. He needed the the second surgery, but uh, I'm going to guess he's going to get close to at at least 90% of the player that he was. I'm just kind of under that opinion. And if he does, I think they're just going to be ridiculous. Like offensively, I don't know how you guard them at all. I just don't. You have four players who can take anyone off the dribble, who can create anything, who can all run pick and roll. Al Horford has just become like a fantastic shooter at the five. We know how good of a passer he is. Um, and with as much like action that Stevens likes to, likes to run, you see it a lot. You'll see them get the switch. And the ball handler that gets the switch, like for example last night, uh, Jason Tatum would get a switch on to like Saric or Embiid. And he kicks it out to the opposite ball handler. And he sort of like backs up. He'll backpedal, and then he'll start running forward, and they'll pass the ball back to him, and he'll catch it on the move. They did a lot of that with Isaiah Thomas, too. Um, they, they really like to do that, and they like to get their ball handlers on the move. And if any of Kyrie, Tatum, Brown, or Hayward, um, the more comfortable they start to get running like that free-flowing offense, they can all shoot. They're all good isolation players. Horford looks better and better. Their, their offense is just going to be ridiculous. And defensively, we know how good they can be. And it's like another year of Tatum, another year of Brown, getting stronger, getting more comfortable. It, it's just, they're going to be ridiculous. I I legitimately think that they can beat Golden State. Yeah, I'm, I'm higher on them than, than some. I, I don't, uh, you know, if, if I had to predict today, I wouldn't pick Boston to beat them, but I would definitely say it would be a, a competitive series. You know, they, um, yeah, their depth is just, their depth is just absurd. I mean, having Marcus Morris, uh, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Aaron Baines as like your four rotation guys off the bench. And, you know, they don't even play the likes of Semi Ojale and and uh, Daniel Tice too often. And, and those guys would be rotation guys on pretty much every other NBA team in the league. Yeah, I mean, they went they went nine deep last night. Uh, they played Tice a little bit, but for the most part, they, they had nine guys. And they well, played and, them all around 30 minutes or so. Well, and they played um, Tice mainly because of Hayward's limited minutes and Bain started. But I feel like... You know, once Hayward gets into his full minute uh, load, Tice probably will be out of the rotation. Yeah, and it's it's interesting uh, because you know you you have like that competitiveness between all those guys. I'm sure Hayward, um, as competitive as he is, he's not going to be like okay taking a backseat, and Tatum's not going to be okay taking a backseat. So there's going to be that competitiveness between all of them to compete every night, like Rozier. Smart, Marcus Morris, those are just three crazy players. Like, they're just crazy people. Um, <laughs> they're really, really competitive. They compete defensively. 
And I think with that sort of personality, like team personality, you have the veteran leadership and Kyrie and Horford. You have the young guys who are going to compete because they don't know any better. Stevens is a fantastic coach. He's similar to Quinn Snyder in that, like, their team will compete every night. Like, they're not going to have any off nights, and they're not going to lose because of, of a lack of of trying or effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that given that, given that Philly and Toronto look so good, and Milwaukee for that matter, um, you have three other teams there who could potentially compete with them for the one seed. And I think it will get to the point where um, all three of those teams will be so competitive record-wise they're all going to be competing for home court in the playoffs. I think Boston will ultimately win out, but I think those three teams being so competitive with them, it's going to push them to play uh, all season and compete all season. Like They're not going to shut it it down 10, 15 games left in the season because they already have a seed locked up. And I mentioned this to you earlier. I think it's going to get to the point where, you know, they're on track to win easily, you know, the 60, 62 games. But I think they're going to look at Golden State or Houston, whoever's out west, who has the number one seed. And I think that they genuinely believe that they can make it to the finals and that they're going to play out the full season trying to win as many games as they can because they'll see it as a massive advantage if they can have a better record than the number one seed in the west so that they can have home court in the finals. Yeah, that that all makes perfect sense. I guess I um I'm not quite as high on Golden State and Houston's regular season in terms of I I still see them kind of in the high 50s both of them, but yeah, you you could absolutely be right if if we've got, you know, three or even potentially four teams if you factor in Toronto in that near 60 win range, then yeah, certainly the uh, the team that, that really feels like that home court advantage is huge, and it was huge for the Celtics last postseason. Uh, they uh, they will push for it, and and yeah, winning winning in the mid to even high 60s is is definitely not out of the realms of possibility. What do you think of uh, you know Kyrie is another guy that uh, along with Hayward is not coming off as severe of an injury, but uh, coming off a knee surgery, and even a minor knee surgery is still knee surgery. What do you think of uh, his performance? I thought he looked good athletically, you know, how he normally does. Um, I don't think that the injury is uh, going to hold him back necessarily at the start of the year. It was interesting how they described it and that um, the complications toward the end of the year were from, uh, from like an infection from the metal that had previously been in his knee. So now that that looks to be all cleaned up and everything, I expect him to, to be the same player that he was. Uh, he got a shot off last night. He looked fine moving, like athletically he looked fine, offensively he looked fine. Uh, the ball just didn't go in the hoop for him, unfortunately. Well, yeah, and uh, you know when, when people talk about a guy having a bad shooting night, one of the things I, I like to look out for is you know how are um, how is uh, that player missing the shots? And for the most part, he was missing off the back of the rim, which is a good sign. It means he's... Uh, you know, getting pretty good arc on his shot. He's online. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't too concerned about the, the poor shooting night. Uh, but uh, but I did predict Kyrie, you know, in, in large part because I think the Celtics have the opportunity to have the best record to, to win MVP, and that wasn't a great opening night for that case. <laughs> Interesting pick. I can see that, though. I mean, if they have the best record, it, it typically MVP comes from a guy in, like, a top-two seed. So it's a good, interesting pick. I like that. One other thing I, uh, I I jotted down I thought was was interesting was Aaron Baines is now shooting above the break threes. You know, last year he extended oh his range into the corners, uh, but this year it looks like he's extended it further and he hit a wing three in the ball game. It's the weirdest looking shot I've <laughs> ever seen. He like splits his feet after he releases the ball. Um, but it, I mean, it's been going in at least against Philly. It's been going in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, if he's the lone big on second units, if they kind of just play him as the lone big, maybe he'll get to the point where t- teams have to start guarding him if he's standing at the three-point line. That's unbelievable, though. Yeah, the, uh, uh, Brad Stevens ran a, 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 an action uh, a couple times where Kyrie would curl off of a, sc- a down screen from Baines and, and you know would get momentum going towards the basket, and Baines would pop to the corner. And really, it was it was in large part designed to just take advantage of the fact that Embiid was was going to help off of Baines, and Kyrie threw it to Baines in the corner. He knocked one down and, and was close to knocking down two in a row. 
I saw so many Philly fans on Twitter just like irritated at the game, but irritated that Aaron Baines was hitting threes. <laughs> and just the way that his form looks, like if I was rooting for my team and the guy on the other team was hitting threes and it looked like that, I, I would be pretty angry too. Yeah, his uh, you mentioned he had kind of a split stance, but one of the things that also was kind of awkward looking was you know, most right-handers, their right foot is kind of their lead foot, so that when they step into their shot, their right foot is ahead of their left. But with him, he stepped into his shot, but his right foot was about a foot behind his left foot. It's uh, like he doesn't look weird enough as it is with the, the hair. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He's got to have a weird, weird shot, too. That's funny. Was there anything else about uh, the Sixers-Celtics game you felt like mentioning? Um... You know, just kind of like looking at Boston, um, every time you discuss them, it's sort of just nitpicking because they seem like they're so complete. But I guess from my observation, I think three players, saying they need to add three players sounds like crazy, but three player types that they could use that would just kind of like take them over the top, I think would be um, more of like a rim roller lob catching five which I think they hope they have in Robert Williams, but that could just sort of add another type of dimension to their offense, just more gravity rolling to the rim. Um, At this point, Horford seems like he's the kind of guy that wants to hang out on the perimeter a little bit more. And it won't really affect them as much versus Philly, but if they want to defend Toronto or if they want to defend Golden State, I think if they had more of a guy on the wing, like a wing stopper, I don't they like to have Jalen be that guy or Jason be that guy, and they switch so much that it doesn't really matter anyway, but to at least start games and say, like, you're going to check KD or you're going to check Kawhi or you're going to check Giannis, um, I think that maybe is one guy that they could add. Maybe that's semi Ojale. Maybe he, he starts to play more. Who knows? Right. That's a that's what I was about to say. They they used him against Giannis in the in the first round last year, and and they did that move in, in the crucial Game 5 with the series tied 2-2, and, and he did a, a pretty good job. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily a guy that could guard like a, a Kevin Durant, but but uh, Ojale certainly has the size and the bulk to deal with some of those bruisers like a Giannis or, a, or even a Kawhi. Oh, one, one more thing about B too. Um, I don't know if he just, because you had mentioned like he was, he wasn't like, as a post player, they post him up a lot. It wasn't like he was trying to be a finesse post player. It looked like he was really trying to play bully ball with Horford and Baines. Um, but I saw a lot of times last season where he would stand out sort of on top of the key and shoot like those straightaway three-pointers if Simmons drove. Um, there were a couple times last night that he passed up on those and he tried to put the ball on the floor and attack. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how many threes he takes per game, and if he tries to put the ball on the floor a little bit more in attack. Well, and, you know, he uh, he's also a really effective uh, mid-range shooter for the most part. I, I don't have the numbers offhand, but, you know, he, he seems to be pretty effective from the mid-range. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, those, those threes from the top of the key, I agree, him shooting 31% from downtown last year, those aren't good shots. Uh, but if he can get more into that 15-foot range, uh, and even do a little bit more facing up, I think he uh, he would be a little bit more effective. He's smooth. He's, he's just so smooth, his stroke. It's just the numbers haven't indicated it yet, but we'll see. All right, well, let's move on to the uh, the Warriors-Thunder game, and, and it was a pretty pretty solid game, despite the fact that Russell Westbrook did not play coming off of, uh, I believe it's his fourth right knee surgery, but he should be back relatively soon. But uh, the Thunder still played played pretty well what were uh, what were some of your initial thoughts in that ball game well just kind of looking at okc um and knowing that russ was going to be out uh, i was interested to see like what kind of usage role that schroeder was going to take just how he looked in general you can kind of assume that he was going to play a similar role in the offense that russ would and everyone else would, would sort of just play the same um i think defensively uh, they look really, really good. I thought Schroeder showed good energy, at least at the start of the game defensively, like he wanted to compete. But I think OKC defensively, I think that's how they're going to win a lot of games. And I think they showed their versatility yesterday, and they only held Golden State to 108. PG, Adams is solid. Jeremy Grant, he should play more. I know they started Patterson, but 
think Grant's probably just going to like close most of their games. But him, when they get Robertson back, uh, obviously Russ is like a pretty underwhelming defensive player, but maybe if he decides to turn it on, like he'll be an asset on that end. Uh, Shorter's not great defensively, but they can have a really, really good defensive culture. And I think sort of similar to the way that uh, Russ won his MVP in that MVP season, where he just created so much for them and they just defended their butts off. I think that's how they're going to win a lot of games this year. I think they're going to be a top three defense and they're going to scrape by and score enough points offensively to be a good team. And then Golden State, you know, uh, coming off of the, the ring ceremony, they really haven't looked great on a lot of, like, opening nights. As you can, If you can recall that KD's first game with them where they got dominated at home by the Spurs. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't expect them to come in and, like, blow the roof off the place. I sort of expected them to turn the ball over and be careless, and um, that, that kind of rang true. But they're, they're ridiculous. You know, I don't even know what to say about them at this point. <laughs> They're just ridiculous, and but I thought OKC. I, I thought OKC defended them pretty well. Yeah, the uh, I'd say Steph Curry and Durant both looked uh, their ridiculous selves on the offensive end of the floor. They were both fantastic. Uh, one of the things I was interested in is the fact that Steve Kerr is choosing to start Damian Jones at center, even though I feel like he's, you know, if you include Demarcus Cousins, probably their fourth best center on the roster. Uh, but uh, but I thought he surprisingly held up uh, held up reasonably well at least in this matchup against Stephen Adams. Yeah, did they mention is he going to be um, their full time starter until Cousins gets back, or is that just a one game thing? I believe he's the starter at least at least for now, um, and and I don't know if that's just a matter of. They're trying to conceal the fact that uh, Jordan Bell is really good, so they can sign him for cheap this off season. And, and if you limit his minutes, then he, uh, you know, doesn't have as much time to show off his ability. Uh, but uh, but it, it seems to be that uh, Damian Jones is going to be kind of the Zaza Pachulia uh, filling that role for them. Yeah, they're loaded with fives, man. Bell, Looney, uh, obviously Cousins. Everyone's forgotten about Cousins. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll see what he looks like. But, yeah, they're loaded at, at the five. I guess Bell could play with Draymond. Like, they could play together and, and sort of be interchangeable there. But, yeah, it was interesting that, that Jones started because he didn't really have much of a role last year. And Obviously, Looney and Bell played pretty significant roles um, throughout the playoffs. So maybe he just came into camp and, like, just straight out won the battle among the available centers. Um I could see I, I could see why Kerr wanted to start him and like not start Bell full time at the five. Um, I heard somebody say I forgot who said this the other day, but you know maybe Boogie just like maybe he just doesn't come back and he's not the same player this season. Like he'll be back, but like maybe he's just not going to be at the caliber where they could start him. And if you start Jordan Bell uh, up until that point, sort of as like a placeholder starter, and Boogie can't come back. Maybe you're just screwed and you don't really have, like, a starting center. So I could see him trying to slot, like, Looney or Damian Jones in there and just kind of say, like, you'll at least start the game for us. Well, yeah, and, you know, they, you mentioned they're loaded at the five position, and they don't de- seem to be loaded at any other position because they they played a lot of, uh, you know, two traditional bigs out there, you know, with uh, and, and hardly any Draymond at the five, but they played, uh, you know, with with Looney and Bell at the same time, or either of those along with Draymond, and and that's probably something they're going to have to do, even though that's not one of their more effective lineups. Yeah, everyone talks about, you know, how ahead of the curve the Golden State is, and, you know, how they're just the the uh, the leaders in, in basketball thinking, and then they're, you know, playing that old-fashioned two bigs together at the same time, how outdated. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think from a from a depth perspective, they're sort of forced to like. And I know we're going to talk about all these little things that that they could do, or like you know where they could improve, and maybe it just won't matter because they have four all stars as it is. But um, they had a lot of just straight fives last year on the roster, and this year they sort of do as well. Um, I like the Jurepko addition, but from a depth perspective, they are pretty weak i don't know 
if people have really been talking about it, but like, I mean, Sean Livingston, do you still trust him to be like an asset in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, I don't know if uh, if I would consider him an asset, but I think he's a guy. If you give him twelve to fifteen minutes, he's not going to kill you uh, because he he knows where to be. He's long. He's still at least an okay defender, and and yes, obviously he's going to hurt your spacing, uh, but uh, he cuts well and passes well. So yeah, I I still don't mind him if he's like your uh, if he's like your eighth or ninth guy, uh, but. Uh, but certainly, you know, with, with Iggy, I think uh, Iggy started the game, or, you know, didn't start, but he came off the bench in the first half, but then uh, I don't believe played in the second half due to a, a hamstring strain, I believe was what the injury was. So, you know, with with him potentially missing some time now, and, and you look at the Patrick McCall situation where he's holding out, they were even playing Alfonso McKinney, their recent two-way siding uh, on the wing. Yeah, um... They're loaded with bigs and not really much else uh, on their bench. Like Iggy, we know what kind of player he's going to be, but to rely on him in the regular season, they're just not going to do that. Like if, if he's if he's feeling any injuries or any signs of injuries, he's not going to play. Um, so having to rely on like Quinn Cook and Alfonso McKinney and uh, the rookie that they drafted from Cincinnati, like. Their depth has kind of dwindled over the years, and, and that's to be expected. You know, when you're when you have two max guys and two near max guys, like that's just what the cap is supposed to do. But right, um, it'll be interesting to see who they potentially add. You know, um, around buyout time, or if they do make a trade, um, it'll be interesting to see how they approach their depth as the playoffs come around. Yeah, it's interesting to think like uh, in terms of the buyout market. I can't think of too many. Uh you know, real positive additions that they've gotten, which you'd think, given their uh, their status as the best team in the NBA, a lot of guys in that situation would want to play on that team. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what do you think of uh, of Draymond? Of course, uh, he he's coming into the season with, I believe, some, some, some knee issues, and, and Coach Kerr was planning on limiting his minutes uh, here at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... He looked careless offensively. I mean, he had six turnovers. Um, he didn't shoot the ball well. Like, had one one three pointer, and it looked terrible. The shot just looked flat. But um, it's really hard for me, at least, to judge him in the regular season anymore. Like, everyone knows what kind of defensive player he can be, and in the playoffs and the finals, he's absolutely going to turn it on, and um, he'll be the best defensive player on the planet. But in the regular season. I think he's just gotten to the point now where he's sort of just taking it easy and um, he's going to be careless with the ball. You, you kind of, like, you know that now. He's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's not going to be at that caliber. Uh, he's just going to kind of, like, I don't know, he's, it, it, it looks to me like he's just going to kind of, like, get through the regular season now. It's gotten to that point, like, in this team that he's just going to, like, try to get along and then once the playoffs come around, he's going to really turn it up. So, Watching what kind of level that him and Iggy play at this year is going to be interesting because, you know, Clay, they need Clay defensively, and then Steph and KD, like, those two guys are competing for potential MVP awards, um, things like that. So they're going to bring it every night, but Draymond, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of level he plays at throughout the season. Yeah, and you know, you almost can't really blame him for, for not really turning it on. Same with, like, uh, Iguodala. Or even Durant defensively, you know, all all three of them, I would say, uh, are are kind of on autopilot for most of the regular season, especially on defense. Uh, but but you did see, uh, I, I guess, kind of uh, in close games down the stretch, you see Draymond kind of uh, get tuned in, and he had a a terrific steal uh, on Paul George, where he kind of snuck up from behind and, and took it away from him. Yeah, I mean, like we said, he's when he wants to be active, he'll be active, and he's incredibly high IQ basketball player and he's super competitive um they'll turn it on when they need him to um but other than that you know he'll he'll try to put some English on his passes and um and make some highlight plays and uh he'll he'll have a lot of turnovers and that's just kind of player that he is but um he's fantastic when he turns it on 
Well, and uh, moving to the to the Thunder side of the discussion now, you mentioned uh, at the beginning about uh, Dennis Schroeder, and of course he was their their big off season acquisition, and especially with Russell Westbrook out, I think he uh, he fills a, a pretty good hole and kind of can be a, a poor man's Westbrook. Uh, what do you think of him out there? I thought he looked good. I thought he um, his three ball looked good. I thought he was willing to take the three um, off catch and shoot. He just pulled right up like no hesitation at all. Um, I'm really curious to see because it, it's kind of a weird trade that they made to get him. Um, if unless they plan on playing him and Russ together a lot, which kind of seems like a weird fit because they're similar players in some aspects, but. I'm going to be interested to see if they made that trade because they are really worried about Westbrook's health. Schroeder is a good player for this team in that they lack shot creation and he can create a lot of shots for guys. Whether he does that from a high-efficiency standpoint um, is to be argued, but he can at least create shots. Like if this team was playing somebody like Ish Smith, at point guard, it would just be a disaster. Like, if they trotted out Raymond Felton at point guard, it would be a disaster. So uh, having him for the time being while Russ is out is really, really helpful. I'm going to be really interested to see what kind of role he plays when Russ gets back. You know, if you had to if you had to put, like, an over-under on minutes he plays once Russ is, like, back into the rotation, would you say over or under 25 a game? Oh boy, I would probably say over, and the reason for that is just the, especially without uh, uh, Robertson for the time being. I think he's out till at least December. There's their two position is just so awful that even though you know Schroeder is not an ideal fit next to Westbrook, he might be their best option, even if he is just there to spot up off the ball and play defense watching Terrence Ferguson last night you know he just he didn't bring anything to the table he had one wide open three in the closing minutes that he just clanked off the backboard uh you know he just to me doesn't bring much of anything uh and you know you look at a guy like uh Brinus, you know he's certainly a really good three-point shooter but he kills you defensively uh so I think Schroeder might uh, might hit over that 25-minute mark just because of the lack of options that uh, Billy Donovan has to work with. Yeah, I don't know the exact stat off the top of my head, but when Oklahoma City had Reggie Jackson um, and they played Reggie Jackson and Westbrook together, um, it was really, really successful, those lineups were. So maybe their thinking was, you know, we can play sort of a, another creator, traditional point guard next to Russ. And we know that it'll work. Um, yeah, but neither of those guys are great shooters. I think offensively, you know, if they played Schroeder and Russ and Jeremy Grant and Stephen Adams and Paul George, offensively, that's it doesn't sound like a great lineup. But you know, defensively, it can compete. So it's been this constant battle with the Thunder having like one-way guys, whether it be like a Doug McDermott or an Andre Robertson, and never quite having like guys that can play both ends of the floor, at least they're supporting players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Billy Donovan does to try to get enough scoring on the floor, but to try to maintain like that high-level defense that we expect them to have. Right, that's why I found the, the fact that uh, Patrick Patterson started at the four to be pretty interesting, because I was expecting or anticipating that Jeremy Grant would be the starting power forward. Uh, but, uh, you know, Patterson does provide um, a little bit more spacing, even though I know you, you mentioned in your notes that uh, you thought the Jeremy Grant's three ball looked improved. I, I felt so as well, but I still think Patterson maybe uh, has a little bit more respect from opposing defenses behind the th- three-point line. Sure, yeah, I mean, half the battle is our team's actually going to guard you when you don't have the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Grant shot one from four, um, so it's not like he shot the ball lights out but just like watching him catch and release it just looked really smooth it looked like much smoother than years past so um obviously he's made it a a point in his game to just become a better three-point shooter and if he can if he can at least hit spot up looks um i i definitely expect him to be 
a guy who closes games for them uh, next to Paul George and Steven Adams. Well, and I thought Patterson looked a little bit more lively, a little bit more bouncy than he did last year. You know, he had a he had a really off year last season, even though he had been really good in Toronto for several years prior. Uh, but uh, I think it was encouraging to see him. I think he had a he had a pretty nice block early on in the game. Uh, but you know, I think Oklahoma City, uh, and I know all the Mellow fans are going to get angry at me for saying this, but I think the Thunder are going to get a lot more uh, productive minutes from the four position this year. Yeah, last year was interesting because you know you're playing Westbrook and PG and Mello, and it's like, all right, what's the shot distribution going to look like there? And you couldn't really commit to being like this elite, elite defensive team. And I know they were before Robertson got hurt, um, but you really like couldn't commit to it with Mello on the floor. If they get Robertson back, and presumably he's going to be a starter, I don't really know what value he provides for you coming off the bench. But if they get Robertson back, and if Patrick Patterson looks as spry as he did in Toronto, and if Jeremy Grant uh, brings the kind of energy that he does for you defensively, and Nerlens Noel wants to play a role, like they're going to be a ridiculous defense. It's going to be ridiculous, like a top three defense for sure, and that's going to win them a ton of games. And the difference between the Russell Westbrook MVP season. And now is that they have Paul George. And that's a guy who you don't want him to be your first creator, but he's an awesome second guy, can run secondary pick and roll. He's obviously a fantastic shooter. Um, and they have Schroeder who can create a little bit for him too. So it's a it's a quirky lineup, but I think if they really commit to being like an elite defense, I think they can just get by with enough scoring um, where they can potentially win 50 games. Well, yeah, Westbrook has always been a guy that, uh, regardless of the talent around him, can prop up an offense and make them at least average. But I think it's interesting you're talking about them being like a 50-win team, top three defense in the league, because uh, I think Robertson is, is a huge part of that, and, and him being out for as long as as uh, as he is, I think that's going to make it really tough for them to do that. I think even, you know, even though they've got uh, a Paul George and, and a Grant and, and Adams who are all solid defensively, I think Robertson was really, you know, in combination with George, having a couple of a real elite defensive wings was the reason they were uh, so good defensively to start last season. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how how good of a defense they can maintain up till the point when Robertson returns. Yeah, the only only reason I, I sort of like specify like if they want to commit to being that kind of defensive team is okay, are you going to play um, Schroeder in a spot or are you gonna play Robertson in a spot? You know, are you going to play um, these all defense types of lineups or are you gonna try to put more scoring on the floor? Like I, I think if they really commit to being that kind of defensive team, they can still be a top three defense. Um, but like you had said, when they had Robertson last year with Paul George, that was a huge reason why they were so good on defense. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see what he looks like when he comes back because he really offers you nothing offensively, and all of his value is derived from how athletic he is on defense and how active he is on defense. And if he comes back like 85% or 80% of the athlete he was before, to me, he's just a totally different player, and, uh, and he just doesn't provide you with the same value, and maybe they can't close games with him. So um, a lot of, I think, their success this year is going to depend on what he looks like coming back. Obviously, Westbrook will be returning relatively soon. Uh, do you imagine they're going to be able to be above 500 while Westbrook's out uh, here? For I guess there isn't really a, an official timetable yet for his return. Yeah, I would have to look at their schedule, but um, yeah, I think so. I think they could. I think Schroeder is going to give them enough. I think he'll give them enough shot creation. I think around them, uh, around him, they can they can defend well enough. Um, I'd have to look at their schedule though. They might have like just this gauntlet first ten games, first fifteen games, or if Russ comes back, you know, they might be I don't know six and nine or or five and ten or something like that where people start to press the panic button but i think they could i think they're capable of it i think they showed it last night that they can defend any team in the league that they want and if they can bring it on defense you're gonna have nights where you score enough and you're gonna have nights where you don't and they're just gonna have to hope that they can scrape by and score enough points to remain competitive 
Yeah, and uh, speaking of scoring, Paul George in the third quarter just absolutely caught fire, was hitting a ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot. You know, him and uh, along with Schroeder were, were knocking down shots, went on a huge run in that game, and a lot of that was sparked by pretty good defense, and, and that's probably how they're going to have to play for, for at least the, the short term is, is get stops and, uh, and hope that, uh, that Paul George can have some runs like that. Yeah, and, and from a transition perspective, obviously Paul's a, a tremendous catch-and-shoot guy, um, and we know how much Russ likes to run, so if, if they can be a good defense and get enough stops, I think as a transition offense, they can be one of the best transition offenses in the league. With all the athletes that they have, with all the guys that like to run on their team, I think that's another area where uh, they can sort of make up those points that they're not good enough to score in the half court against some teams. You know, I mentioned their their shooting guard position without Robertson is uh, is not good at this moment in time. And uh, but but what do you think about uh, the second round pick uh, Hamadou Diallo, who who got the the backup shooting guard minutes? He's interesting, man. I mean, he's like he's long and he's athletic, and you can never really tell with those Kentucky guys. Like you know, they they all plan on going there for a year. They're all five star recruits, but if it just doesn't work out the four months that they're there. Uh, and they don't get to play as many minutes, or they, they don't have the role that they would have expected, then their draft stock drops, and you can maybe find a guy like Diallo in, in the later part of the draft who could be, become like a good player for you. Um, I thought he looked good. I thought he could actually play a role, and if I wanted to give a spicy prediction, I think that he'll play more of a role than Ferguson this year. Um, he certainly think, looked better than Ferguson last yeah. night. Yeah, and they're they're similar in that like they're long and they're athletic, but yeah, Diallo just looked like more comfortable to me than than Ferguson did. Yeah, so uh, I just had a couple uh, random random thoughts from from that game. Uh, I noticed uh, on one play, Steph Curry drew a bogus shooting foul on Schroeder, where it was uh, it's it appeared to be an obvious just like hand check where Schroeder just had his his arm on Curry and. It went on for several seconds, and then Curry threw up a jump shot, and, and they gave him two free throws for it. I thought they were supposed to wipe that out uh, a few seasons ago. Well, I mean, when it's when it's staff on ring ceremony nights, it's, <laughs> it's tough to officiate the same way, right? Yeah. Did you, uh, did you have any other thoughts on, uh, on that second game last night? Yeah, I thought OKC battled. I thought they battled on the road um, with, with sort of their captain not not being in the game. Um, I think it's to the point now where you have guys like Adams and Paul George. They're going to come out and they're going to compete. And without Russ, um, they're still going to sort of bring that culture of competing defensively and bringing it. And uh, I think that's going to keep them in a lot of games while Russ is out. And I think the shooter addition was was interesting and I think it could potentially help them, you know, to tread water uh, before Russ gets back. Yeah, all four of the teams that we saw on opening night are going to be fascinating to watch for the rest of the season. James, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Duncan Dynasty. If you'd like to support the show, you can follow me and the program on Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a rating and review. You can email me at g-bougay, B-U-G-A-Y, at O-N-U dot E-D-U. You can uh, give me any questions, comments, concerns, compliments. Be happy to to hear from you, and uh, hopefully I can get back to you as well. You can get a hold of me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Garrett Bougay. Garrett is spelled with uh, two R's and two T's. You can also uh, catch me on Twitter at Garrett Bougay. I plan on airing episodes just about every Wednesday with occasional breaks throughout the uh, the entirety of the 2018-19 season, including the off-season. And uh, if you're if you're starving for more content, I urge you to check out any of my guests' previous material, uh, A lot of the guys I have on have their own podcasts as well and do a lot of interesting stuff. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. Leftovers or... 
the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.